Welcome to LifeBridge Online. I'm Pastor Chris, and this is our Discovery Hour time that we usually have classes for all ages and stages, but during the pandemic, this is what we're doing. So I'm glad that you're here, and I welcome you and count it a privilege to be doing this, and hopefully you are being fed through this process. Now, if you need us to pray for you, if there's a request you have from this week, or you uh, have uh, something that you want to tell us, then fill out the communication card. If this is your first time to join us, uh, we want to connect with you. And so in the comments, there's the connection card. Now, for those of you that took the regathering survey, we just want to say a big thank you. Thank you. In fact, you were so good at taking that. We are going to regather as a church June 14th. Yes, we are regathering. Can we raise the roof? Give me a praise the Lord. Get excited in the comments. I'm excited. And of course, it will still have social distancing requirements. It's not going to be like it used to be initially, but we are excited. And the best way to prepare for June 14th is prayer. Because when it comes to our spiritual health, prayer is our PPE. Not personal protection equipment, but powerful prayer engagement. That's what we're asking you to do. And so right now, let's just stop and pray. We're excited. Uh, we're looking forward to this. There'll be more information coming out this week. We want you to know what's going on and how it's going to play out. But let's go to the Lord in prayer and let's pray Ephesians 4, 1 through 6 over our congregation. Let's pray. Father, we come to you and we acknowledge that we are your servants, your prisoners. We, we are bound to you. And what a privilege that is, for you are a good and gracious God. And we pray and we are excited that we'll be able to gather again. It won't be like we're used to. It won't be what we ultimately desire. But at least we can begin this process. And so we pray in anticipation of June 14th. And we ask, Lord that we would walk worthy of the calling with which we are called. We pray, Lord, for spiritual unity. We pray, Lord, that there will not be disunity based on the wearing a mask or not wearing a mask and staying six feet apart and just all those different things. And there's a wide variety of us, but Lord, overwhelmingly, our people are ready to get back and gather for worship before you. And so, Lord, we're in the midst of a very difficult time in our country. There are injustices towards the lives of African-American men that we grieve and lament. There's injustices in rioting and, and damaging property. There are so many injustices in the world. And Lord, we confess as your people that we need to speak up and we need to proclaim the good news that we're studying about here. And we need to model it in how we seek justice, how we share the good news, how we show love to the oppressed and the needy. No better book 
for this than the book of Isaiah. And so, Lord, open our hearts to the teaching today because ultimately you are the solution, the ultimate answer. You are the one who is bringing a kingdom of justice, of righteousness, and of peace. Lord, it's to you we look and it's to you that we point others to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, we're starting to land the plane on our series, The Gospel According to Isaiah. And for the last few weeks, we've been in Isaiah 55. And this is the great invitation to soul-saving satisfaction. Isaiah 55. And we've seen in verses 1 through 3 of Isaiah 55 that we are to savor a feast. It's an invitation too good to refuse. And in verse 3, we looked that it's sure to satisfy us. This is an invitation that's too sure to question. Don't doubt that it will satisfy you. And then in verses 4 through 5, we saw that we're sent to the nations with this good news for an invitation that's too successful to neglect. Well, today we're in verses 6 through 9 of chapter 55, and we're going to see an invitation that's too urgent to delay. Now, I want to start out with this statement. Some invitations are too urgent to delay. Why? Because especially if they're offered for a limited time, especially if they're only offered for a limited time. And that's what happened just last weekend. Uh, Two great restaurants in Kansas City, Minsky's and Joe's Kansas City Barbecue. Over a year ago, they linked together and came up with the dream pizza. What is it? Burnt-in pizza. I mean, I'm talking Joe's burnt-ins with Joe's barbecue sauce on a Minsky crust with Joe's french fry seasoning around the outer crust and a side of pickles. I mean, what could you what more could you ask for? The only problem is whenever they offer this, it is always a limited time offer, a limited time offer. And so it's urgent. We've got to go there. And so I told my family, we, we've got to go. It's, it's last weekend. It was last weekend. And so we ordered a large Joe's Kansas City. Now, folks, this isn't like when McDonald's offers the McRib, you know, for a temporary time. We're talking Joe's Kansas City burnt in pizza. Well, let me tell you, when, when, um, Dane, Dane Jensen, uh, texted me and said, hey, it's back, it's back. Let me tell you how I responded. I, I, I said, look, we got to savor the feast. This is an offer too good to refuse. I said, look, this is sure to satisfy. I'm telling you, this is an offer we shouldn't question. And, and though I wasn't sent to the nations to share about this pizza, I think everybody needs to know about it. But here's the thing. Because it's a limited time offer, we need to not delay. And so we ordered ours, and and as I hear it, it's available again this weekend and possibly next. But you don't want to miss out. Now, you say, Chris, why are you sharing this? Well, not only am I an evangelist for Kansas City Barbecue, that's one reason, but also it reflects and pictures the point of this passage. And so if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, turn with me to Isaiah 55, verses 6 6 through 9. 
I'll be reading out of the New American Standard. Whatever Bible you have, follow along. Isaiah 55, verse 6 through 9. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Limited time offer. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord and he will have compassion on him and to our God, return to our God for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Here's the main idea of those verses. Seek the Lord while there's still time. Seek the Lord while there's still time. This is a limited time offer that is too urgent to delay it. Don't delay it. Take the Lord up on this this morning. Now, the connection to the context. Let's look a little bit. Last week, we looked at verse 5 and saw that the exalted son of David calls to the nations and they run to him to find soul-saving satisfaction in him. And last week, we saw in Acts 1, we were reminded that we are the Lord's servants as well. And we are to call to the nations and go to the uttermost parts of the earth, just as Israel was supposed to. But they failed. And yet last week we saw from Acts 1 that one day Israel will repent. They will return to the Lord. They will seek Him and call to Him. And He will forgive them and they will fulfill their role to be witnesses to the nations in the coming kingdom on earth. Now it's no surprise that here in verses 6 through 9, particularly verses 6 and 7, that it's no longer the Lord speaking to us in verses 6 and 7, but it's Isaiah. Why? Because we're to be servants who are his witnesses. And so Isaiah, the faithful witness, is telling us and warning us that this is an offer that's too urgent to delay. And so we're going to look at this passage and we're going to ask and answer three questions. And the three questions are this. Who needs to seek the Lord? How do we seek the Lord? And why should we seek the Lord? So let's dive in. Here's the first question. Who needs to seek the Lord? And the answer is in verse 6 in your Bibles. And here's the answer. It's real simple. Everyone. Everyone is invited to seek the Lord. Both those who already know Him and those who don't know him, okay? Now remember, in verses 1 through 3 of this chapter, as we work through this chapter, it's an invitation to everyone. But I want to really emphasize and, and spend a little time emphasizing who needs to respond. Because this is, gonna, this is a salvation invitation, but it's more than that. It's a satisfaction invitation. And so it's for both those who already know the Lord and those who don't. Now, the book of Isaiah, verse 1, is written to the people of Judah living in Jerusalem. And as a nation, the people of Judah knew the Lord. And they were in a covenant relationship with the Lord. 
The problem in the book of Isaiah is this. They failed miserably to live like God's people should live. And so instead of living in obedience and with wholehearted love for the Lord and a desire to share with the nations around them the greatness of their God, they were living in rebellion to Him. They were living in defiance of His covenant commands. And when they did follow Him, and this is the most tragic of all, when they did follow Him, they did so with hypocritical hearts. Hypocritical hearts. They worshiped the Lord with their lips, but their hearts were far from Him. And so this is an invitation for God's people first and foremost. But it's also for those who don't know the Lord. Because remember, last week in verses 5, 4 and 5, the emphasis were on the peoples of the earth. The emphasis were on the nations, and that was emphasized. And so this is also an invitation, not only to God's wayward people, but to those who are angry at God. Maybe you're angry at God right now. A lot of people are angry at God for a variety of reasons. But this is an invitation to you, even if you're angry at Him. Even it's an invitation to those who are at war with God's people. This is an invitation in Isaiah's day to the Assyrians, to the Babylonians, in our day to the Iraqis, the Iranians, yeah, and even those hostile Americans. Our nation is hostile to God. And yet God is making an offer to everyone, to everyone. Now, why should those who already know the Lord still seek Him? And the answer is this. Too often we seek the gift of salvation, but don't seek the giver of salvation for our day-to-day satisfaction. You see, we are to do more than seek the Lord for a one-time offer of salvation. We as God's people are to be seeking Him on a day-to-day basis to find our soul satisfaction in Him. You see, we should be feasting on Him every day. We should be relating to Him. We should be serving Him, loving Him, resting in Him, delighting in His Word and His ways, showing His love to the oppressed and the needy. Listen, soul-saving satisfaction is not found in a one-time decision in the past. It's in a life-giving, soul-satisfying relationship in the present. That's why throughout these verses we've studied, the Lord says, come to me, listen to me, Seek me, call on me, return to me. I am your God and I want to satisfy you. And sadly, the people of Judah, and you can read about it not only in the first chapter of Isaiah, but in chapter 58 uh, especially, the Lord talks about their hypocritical heart of how they're pursuing the things of the world and living like the pagan nations around them, and yet they're still crying out to God, calling on Him, seeking to worship Him, and yet their hearts are far from Him. Here's the bottom line. We all need to seek the Lord, but for different reasons. 
So let me say it, put it this way. If you don't know the Lord this morning, seek Him to start a relationship with Him today. But if you already know the Lord, seek Him to restore and enjoy your fellowship with Him on a daily basis. So who needs this? Everyone. Everyone is to seek the Lord. Secondly, how do you do this? Let's look at that. How do you do this? How do we seek the Lord? And that's the heart of this passage in verses 6 and 7. And Isaiah, in verses 6 and 7, give us three clear commands. We seek Him by calling, by forsaking, and by returning. Let's look at the first of these. Call on the Lord for soul-saving satisfaction. Call on the Lord. Look at verse 6 again. Notice he says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. They're parallel. One, seek him. And let me explain to you how you do that. You call on him. We seek him by calling out to him. Now, calling is just another word for prayer. Prayer scares people, but we all know how to call someone for help. And that's the idea. This word really emphasizes the idea of crying out for help and expecting an answer. Probably uh, the verse that most uh, defines or illustrates the meaning of call in this passage is Psalm 86, 7. Here's what David says. In the day of my trouble, I shall call upon you, for you will answer me. Do you see the expectation? I call to you because I'm in deep need and I expect and know that you will answer me. But probably a great illustration of this is in the New Testament when Peter gets out and tries to walk on water and he does, but then he gets his eyes off of Christ and he begins to drown. And what does he do? He calls on the Lord in his time of need. Notice what it says in Matthew 14, 30. But seeing the wind, Peter became frightened and beginning to sink, he cried out the most elaborate, religious, magnificent prayer you could ever hear. Lord, save me. That's how simple it is. How do we seek him? We humble ourselves, admit that we're drowning Admit that we need Him, that we can't do this by ourselves. We can't do it at all. We can't even help Him out. Lord, save me. The same word for call, we've already seen in verse 5. You look at verse 5, it says, Behold, speaking to the sovereign son of David, Behold, you will call a nation. And so last week we saw in verse 5, the, the, the sovereign Savior is calling the nations to be saved. And here in verse 6, we cry out to Him and call back to Him and say, Yes, Lord, I need to be saved. I need to find my satisfaction in You. And the beautiful promise of this is from the Apostle Paul in Romans 10, 12-13. Listen to his promise. For there is no distinction between Jew or Greek. doesn't matter who you are or where you came from. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on Him. 
For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Isn't that a beautiful promise? And it's true of you today. If you find yourself drowning in your sin, if you find yourself in bondage to your selfishness, and you recognize that you're guilty before God, call to Him. For whoever calls on Him will be saved. But you know what? When you trace this idea of calling on the Lord, 47 of the 89 times it's found in the Bible, it's in the book of Psalms. And when you trace it out in the book of Psalms, you find that God's people call on the Lord with thanksgiving. They call on Him to praise Him. They call on Him to grieve and lament when they are suffering, when they're persecuted or when they see injustice around them. We, as God's people, should be doing some calling to the Lord to grieve and lament the injustices that are taking place in our nation, in our communities, and in the lives of people that we work with and that we live with. So let me ask you this. When you, in the good times, the bad times, and the ugly times, who do you call? Is it like the Ghostbusters? You know, who are you going to call? Ghostbusters? No. If you are in covenant relationship with the Lord, you should be calling on the Lord all the time. In the good, in the bad, and even when it gets ugly. And if you don't know the Lord, you can call on Him today, and He is near to hear and answer your call. So, the first way that we seek Him is to call on Him for soul-saving satisfaction. But there's a second way that we are to seek Him, and that is forsake your sins with humble repentance. And that's in verse 7. Forsake your sins with humble repentance. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Because here's the reality. We can call on the Lord just as we are. But when He answers, we will not stay the same as how He found us. And so, what does it mean in verse 7 to forsake? Well, this is a word that we've encountered already in our study in Isaiah 54. If you look back in Isaiah 54 in verse 6, This same word forsaken is used of the Lord as a faithful husband who forsakes, abandons, and divorces his adulterous wife, the people of Judah. Now, he did that temporarily to discipline them and to bring them back to repentance, as this passage is calling them. But you see the force of this word forsake. So the idea is, what does it mean to forsake? Well, it's a vivid picture. It means we must abandon our sin. We must divorce our sin. We must permanently and repeatedly separate ourselves from our sin and do so repeatedly. Now, what exactly are we to forsake? Well, he's very clear, isn't he, in verse 7. You see it in your Bibles. Specifically, each person... His or her. Notice how individual it gets. You see, I can't forsake your sins for you. 
and you can't forsake my sins for me. Each one of us needs to individually respond to the Lord in this way. And we are to forsake our wicked ways. That's the way we live. But also our evil thoughts. That's the way we think. Wicked ways is our external behavior, our lifestyle. Evil thoughts are our internal thinking, the very motives of our hearts. Now, here's the reality. Sin always promises pleasure for a moment. It promises it permanently, but it's never permanent. You see, our sinful thoughts... And our wicked ways always promise lasting satisfaction in the beginning. But in the end, our sinful way of thinking, our wicked way of living, leaves us thirsty, hungry, and always seeking greater satisfaction. The Bible warns us the wages of sin is death. Separation from God, separation from others, eternal judgment. I love this saying, and it's so true. Sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. Wow, what a warning to us to forsake. Now, why must we forsake our sin? Why do we need to repent in this way, turning away from our sins? Well, it's because you can't seek the Lord And hold on to your sin at the same time. We try. We think we can. But the reality is this. You can't turn from your sin and seek the Lord and still hang on to your past. This is what Isaiah rebukes the people of Judah for over and over in this book. It's powerful. Take some time to read Isaiah 1. Read Isaiah 58. God's people were being hypocritical, seeking him with their lips, but their hearts, their hearts were far from him. They sought the Lord in their troubles. When things got tough and Assyria was looming in on them, they, they looked to the world, they, they cried out to the Lord with their lips, but they went and made treaties with Egypt and, and they went to the world for their protection, their provision. And for their pleasures. But all the time they kept crying out to the Lord. They were seeking him in a hypocritical manner. They were calling their calls to him in worship were empty words from a sinful heart. And they needed to forsake that way of living. And maybe that's where you find yourself. We all have hypocrisy. We've all been those kind of hypocrites. You know, someone said, I don't want to go to the church because it's full of hypocrites. Well, the answer to that is there's always room for one more. Come and join us. This is who we are. But we need to repent of that. We need to forsake that way of thinking. That shouldn't be the pattern of our lives. It's kind of like a man who's having an affair and living with another woman, a married man living with another woman, and he calls up his wife and says, look, I'm, I'm calling you because I want to seek to return to you. And this wise woman who's been deeply hurt says, well, first, let me ask you, are you going to forsake the woman you're living with? 
In fact, are you going to forsake all other women and seek me alone? And the guy says, well, no, but I still want to seek to return to you. Now, ladies, don't put this in the comments, but how would you respond to that? Okay, you're going to say, no way, buddy. I mean, I know how my wife would respond to that. I wouldn't even try it. I know better than that. But here's the deal. Tough luck, buddy. Your words are empty and meaningless. Don't call me until you're willing to forsake her and seek me alone. Folks, we know that is how it ought to work in human relationships. How much more does a holy God demand and require the same from us. But can we ever actually do this? Can we actually do this ourselves? And the answer is no. We can't, but God can. And that's why the third way we seek Him is to return to the Lord with an expectant faith. Return to the Lord with an expectant faith. Look at verse 7. It says, Here we forsake, let the wicked forsake his way, let the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return to the Lord. It's the Lord who will do this in your life. And and here's, here's the good news. The Lord is in all caps. That means it's the promise-keeping Lord. Yahweh, the I am God, the ever-present Redeemer, the one who makes promises and is able to keep them. The God who has a powerful right arm that can deliver his people out of any bondage. And it's an act of grace. Here's the good news. The reason we can repent and return to him is because God will give you the grace to do it. Turn your Bibles to Isaiah 65. Isaiah 65, and very quickly, I want to just read verses 1 through 3. And this is going to blow your mind, but this is a magnificent picture of God's grace. And this is why we can repent even when we can't. Notice what Isaiah 65, verse 1. The Lord is speaking, and He says this, I permitted myself to be sought, the word seek, sought by those who did not ask for me. I permitted myself to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, here am I to a nation which did not call on my name. Now, wait a minute. You're saying, wait a minute, Chris. That's the exact opposite of Isaiah 55, and that's exactly the point. We can't call on him. We can't forsake our sin and we can't return to him unless God is gracious and gives us the grace, gives us repentance as a gift, gives us the faith by which we call out to him. That's grace for people, for a nation that doesn't know him and are even hostile to him. But look at verses 2 and 3. Look at verses 2 and 3. I have spread out my hands all day long to a rebellious people. Now he's talking about Israel. Who walk in the way which is not good, following their own thoughts. Remember, forsake your thoughts. A people who continually provoke me to my face, worshiping me with hypocrisy. 
offering sacrifices in gardens and burning incense on bricks. When I see those three verses, I think of the prodigal son who was broken in his sin and he came and the father welcomed him. But I also think about his older brother who was self-righteous in his pride and how the father was willing to give him grace as well. Listen, we return to the Lord by grace through faith. His promise is here and he is able to keep his promises. His compassion is such that he will welcome you when you return. So, who needs to seek the Lord? Everyone. How do we do it? Call, forsake, return. Let's briefly look at the last question, and it's this. Why? Why should we seek the Lord now? Why should I not delay? Why is it so urgent? Why should we seek the Lord now? Let's look at the end of verse 7. It says, He will have compassion on him, and he will abundantly pardon. The Lord will welcome you home with abundant pardon instead of well-deserved punishment. I can tell you in 30 years of vocational ministry, I've met a lot of people who were so hung up with their past, they felt like they could never be accepted by the Lord. And this verse tells you, you don't have to question whether the Lord will welcome you back home this morning because He will welcome you with abundant. The word says abundantly. It literally can mean multiplied pardon instead of punishment. You see, our God is a God with a heart full of compassion. I wish we had time. In fact, in Isaiah 54, three different times in the previous chapter, the Lord emphasizes His great compassion, His loving kindness. And here's the deal. As holy as God is, He's equally compassionate. He has as much compassion as He does wrath. He has as much forgiveness as He has judgment. This is the one and the same God. And His forgiveness will be multiplied to you. And, and here's the thing about the word forgiveness. It, it's, it's a word that means God will provide you with everything you need to be made right with God. He'll provide it all. And it, it's like a totally clean slate. How many of you owned an Etch-A-Sketch when you were a kid? I did. I loved the thing. And you can draw on that and do the two knobs. I mean, I, I love the thing. And then what do you do on an Etch-A-Sketch when you're done drawing? Well, or you do it to your sibling. You shake it, right? And when you shake it, it's gone. It's, gone. it's a blank slate. And that's what the meaning of this word forgiveness is. The Lord, when you return to Him, He will shake your sin and it disappears and it ain't coming back. He is large and in charge in His holiness, but He's also near and dear in His compassion. So why? How, how can the Lord do this? Well, He tells us in verses 8 and 9. 
How is this possible? How can God be so holy and yet this forgiving? How can he be just and yet shake your sins and give you a blank slate? Well, the answer is in verses 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Let me show you just real quickly three reasons why we should be seeking him now without any delay. First of all, his holiness is far higher than you can imagine. How great is his holiness? Higher than the heavens are over the earth. You see, in the first part of this verse, he talks about my thoughts are not like your wicked thoughts or wicked ways. My ways are not like your wicked ways. And my thoughts are not like your evil thoughts. He's saying, look, I am so holy and you are so sinful. This is why you need to forsake every aspect of sin, both the external and the internal. And yet, I have so much compassion, I'm willing to forgive you and enable you to do the impossible. And that's what he says in the the second thing I want you to see is, my forgiveness is far greater than you can imagine. You see, we wink at our sin. God doesn't. We excuse our sin. God doesn't. We think sin is only the big things that other people do. And God sees sin in the big things and the little things. We think sin is external, but God says it's also eternal, internal. It's not only what you do, it's what you think. And it's the motives of your heart. And yet God's forgiveness is greater than our sin. And so... Maybe you're thinking this morning, you know what, Chris? I am so, I have blown it in my life. I have messed up. I've done things that I've never told any other soul. And yet I know God knows, and I have guilt. I have regret. I'm just fearful that if I came to him, he wouldn't accept me. Well, here's the good news. That's stinking thinking. That's thinking that comes from the devil. That's not how God thinks about forgiveness. His forgiveness is far greater than you can imagine. See, here's the problem. You and I think about uh, forgiveness radically different than God. Let Let me give you an example. Here's how we measure forgiveness. First, we think about who should we forgive. Who should I forgive? We measure people. We judge their value to us. And we determine whether they're worthy of our forgiveness or not. Oh, I like that person. I'll forgive them. I don't like that person. I won't forgive them. Second, we think about how much to forgive. For some offenses, we think, well, that's small enough. Sure, I'll forgive that. But there's other offenses that hurt us deeply, that hurt and wound us. Wounds that may not be healed this side of heaven. And we think, I will never forget that. And third, we think about how often we're going to forgive someone. 
We're like Peter. We kind of have a three-strike policy. I can forgive you once, twice, third time, you're out of here. Or maybe we get real spiritual like Peter did and say, you know what? We have a forgiveness quota of seven times. But what did the Lord say to him? Forgive them 70 times seven. In other words, always forgive those who repent. You see, here's the bottom line. We measure forgiveness with judgmental precision and limited capacity. And yet in this verse, God says, look, my forgiveness is far greater. My ways are not your ways when it comes to forgiveness. My thoughts are not your thoughts when they come to forgiveness. And bottom line, what the Lord's saying to us this morning is this. The gap between you and me is far wider than you can ever bridge. The gap between you and me is far wider. Here's why you need to seek me. Here's why you need to call to me. Here's why you need to return to me. Why? Because only I can bridge the gap between you and me. Only I can give you the forgiveness you need. Only I can create a new heart that is yielded to me and eager to follow me and trust me. And here's the good news that we've seen over and over in Isaiah. The Lord is saying to us this, this, this morning, He's simply saying this, I have already done everything that needs to be done to bridge the gap between you and me. I have sent my own son to be the suffering servant who is the bleeding lamb that shed his blood for the sins of the world, Isaiah 53. I have sent my son to be the sovereign savior who conquers sin, death, the devil, rules over all authority on this earth and provides salvation as a free gift to anyone who calls out to him. See, the Lord's done it all. The, the gap has been bridged, but we need to respond because this is an offer that is only there for a limited time. You see, ultimately, this is an invitation too urgent to delay. Seek the Lord now while he's allowing himself to be found and while he is still near to hear. Go back to verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. He's not hiding. What he means is, seek me while I'm allowing you to find me. And call to me while I'm still near to hear and answer. And so I just want to leave you with three challenges, and they simply are this. Seek Him for your salvation today. If you don't know the Lord, He'll welcome you. Call, forsake, and turn to Him, and He can save you. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Secondly, seek Him for your soul satisfaction every day. I love Romans 10, 11. Whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. And then finally, in this time of unrest, injustice, people need to hear there's a God who cares. And they need to see that God in our attitudes and our relationships. Let's share the good news 
before it's too late. Because, you know, it's a sobering thing. This beautiful book of Isaiah that is the Old Testament gospel, do you realize the very last verse of this book, chapter 66, is a warning about the lake of fire that we find in Revelation. The last word is a warning of eternal judgment. But hey, just like Joe's burn-in pizza, the offer is available, but it's going to be temporary, and it's too urgent to delay. Please, please, seek Him. Seek Him while He may be found. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we pray, and I, I just, I, I don't know who's listening. I don't know who's watching. I don't know the circumstances, but you know, and your word can reach into the recesses of every heart. I pray that those that don't know you would take a step towards you. They would call to you and you would answer them. And Lord, if they make that decision, we would love to hear about it in the communication card there in the comments. Lord, maybe there's people who know you, but we've been living hypocritically, living a double life, practicing secret sin. And Lord, you're calling us out and you're calling us back to yourself because your forgiveness is multiplied and abundant. Oh, Father, we thank you for your grace. And so, Lord, today we pray you would show yourself mighty and strong and your Son would be the sovereign Savior that satisfies every heart today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, we're excited. June 14th. But in the meantime, next Sunday, same time, same place. We'll see you here.